Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. If you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. Uh, we're going to be in the book of John. So, thanks, Rich. Uh, John chapter 9. And we're picking up our series again. If you were with us last week at the Regency, we uh, took a little break and talked about the Psalms and prayer and what is okay to say to God and how might we communicate with Him. And so we're picking back up our series in John entitled Come and See. And we've continued to emphasize in this series that there's action involved. That in order to see, you first have to use the verb to come. There needs to be some action. Come and you will see. You have to make a move. You have to follow. So, if you'll follow with me in your Bibles to the book of John chapter 9, verse 1, uh, is where we're going to start. And I've been looking forward to sharing, with this, sharing this with you guys. Um, I was telling Anna this morning, she said, how do you feel? I said, I feel, I'm like excited to talk to you guys, uh, which she'll testify most mornings. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I hope they don't hate me after this week. You know, like, um, but I just want to ask you now to just have an open mind this morning. Because when you're talking about God, you're talking about some pretty tough stuff. You know, it, it's not like talking about simple things. It's, it's the stuff of the universe and of our hearts and of our lives and our souls. And, and, uh, and some of this stuff is going to get into your core beliefs about how you see the world, how you see yourself, how you see God. And, uh, and so it's, it can be emotional. But I'm asking you to come with an open heart. And be aware of how this information hits your heart, moves you, or bothers you, or doesn't, or inspires you, or doesn't. Um, because when you talk about God, it's, be it's beyond our comprehension, and things get fuzzy, right? It just gets a little, I'm, I'm reminded of Isaiah, uh, one of the ancient Hebrew prophets. He, he says, he records this, he says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my, my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. And we kind of like, we read that and we're, we sort of think to ourselves, yeah, but I kind of get it, right? I kind of get it. Uh, far beyond anything you could imagine. So let's read our passage. This is an encounter. We've been going through these encounters with Jesus. And uh, this is an encounter. Uh, this is a very telling one. I think that's why John takes the whole chapter dealing with it in chapter 9. And we're only going to look at the first 12 verses. Otherwise, it's like, it's like putting your mouth in front of a fire hydrant, right, trying to take a drink. It's just too much. So um, 12 verses, guys. That's all I'm asking. And I'll just begin here in verse 1, and you can follow along with me. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his sins 
or his parents' sins. And we'll just take a little quick stop. Those are the two options, right? They, they're trying to make sense of it. Those are the two options. Jesus, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. Shoot, there go our options. <laughs> Jesus answered. Jesus tends to do this kind of thing to us. Uh, this happened so the, so the power of God could be seen to him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. Just get a visual on that one. Uh, he told him... <laughs> Go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the, one, the same one. And they asked, who healed you? What, what happened? He told them. The man they called Jesus made mud, spread it over my eyes, and he told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. Where is he now, they asked. I don't know, he replied. So here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to talk about a way of seeing the world. We're going to talk about a way, how we see and understand God. Then we're going to talk a little bit about the kind of world we live in, and then we'll close with a couple practical ways to move forward, okay? So you know where we're going here. Back in June, I did a series on the kingdom of God. Some of you um, may have been on vacation or couldn't find parking, so I'll just briefly catch you up uh, on an idea that I talked about back then called binary thinking or dualistic thinking. Uh, and so I was, I was trying to figure out what's a good way to like begin to, so it's like I've got this quarter here, heads or tails? Heads. You don't even know what I'm asking for here. It's like heads or tails. And okay, heads we close in prayer. Um, <laughs> get out early. <laughs> tails we go three extra hours. <laughs> it is tails. <laughs> not, even not even lying here. Sorry, gang. Uh, but you have two choices, right? It's either this or this. And this is the thing. This is how many of us are accustomed to seeing the world. It's either this or this. It's either his sins or his parents' sins. It's either heads, it's heads, black or white. It's up or it's down. And that's, we need this way of understanding the world. We do. We need it. It helps us move through our world. Um, so when I talk about binary thinking or dualistic thinking, it's, it's the way that we use the, the left side of our brain, that logical side one plus one equals two. There's hot, there's cold, there's up, down, left, right. Brain, logic, it's, it's what allows us to do FaceTime. It's this kind of, it allows us to put 10,000 songs and five movies and whatever onto your phone. This is this engineering, very logical sort of thinking. Uh, and it's great and we need it, but when it comes to issues of the human soul and the mysteries of God and human consciousness, it starts to fail us, and trap us. You follow me? So maybe using up and down 
on earth works real well. I thought about like getting a whiteboard and illustrating this better, but imagine I drew on the screen a stick figure, right? And beneath him is the ground, right? And we have up and down because we have gravity that holds us to the earth. So up and down makes sense, right? But if I remove that line off the bottom underneath the stick man's legs and I put him in outer space, what now is up and down? Is there a top to the universe or a bottom to the universe? Right? So if when a guy scores a touchdown and he puts his, he gets on one knee and he points up to God and he's in the northern hemisphere, is that up? But he's in the southern hemisphere and he's pointing up, is that pointing down? As if there were a top and the bottom to the universe, right? So that kind of way of seeing up and down doesn't work outside of gravitational force. Is your head hurting? It's a little bit. It's hurting a little bit. Um, so let me say what I think is going on with Jesus here. He's inviting you to become aware of a different way of seeing the entire universe. See, one where the gravity we grew up with doesn't serve us any longer in this situation. So the dualistic think, thinking that helps you with the engineering and mathematics to go to FaceTime is not going to serve you in chaos and darkness, okay? So it's a way to see the world and how, God, and how we see God. So here's why this is important, and here's what is at the heart of the disciples' question for Jesus. Do you remember the question? Why was this man born blind? See, that, that question is a variation on a question I guarantee almost 100% of you have asked and has been asked over and over and over throughout history, right? Why? Why did this happen, God? Why did they get the promotion and I didn't? Why did you take this person from me, this parent, this child? Why did you allow this war? Why did you let them cheat on me? Why didn't I win? Why did they win? Why couldn't you just help me? Why can't you just answer me? Why did we have to lose our house? Why won't you save my marriage? Why did you let Boog get so sick? Why? Why? Are you with me? Why? And here's the thing about this question. There's really only one honest answer that we can come to. We don't know. We don't know. There are too many things that cannot be explained. We are often looking for an explanation or a reason and suffering is an experience. And I would argue that it's not very intellectual or reasonable. And Boog could speak a lot more on this. Anyone here has been through a traumatic experience and lost someone or experienced deep pain or grief and suffering, and in the midst of it all, someone said, well, God has a plan in this, and 
was trying to make sense of it for you, and they, they quoted Romans 8, 28. They said, God works all things together for good of those who love Him and who have been called to according to His purpose, and it didn't help. <laughs> it didn't help. How many of you have been through something like that? Anyone here experienced some kind of deep suffering, and the Bible verse didn't help? You went through a tremendous loss and the Bible verse, it like rubbed you the wrong way almost. Because it was your child. It was your marriage. It was your house. It was your parent. And the word you kept coming back to was, why? And the problem is, is this is all based in a way of understanding the world and God like it's a, some kind of moral slot machine. Well, if I put in a good act, I get out a reward. And if I put in an evil act, I blew it, I get out a punishment. Because that's how we're raised. You have to raise children this way. It's that binary dualistic thinking. If my kid hits my other kid, I'm not like, here's a cookie, you know. No, it's, that's wrong, and I punish her. That kind of thing, right? You need that. But then it just, it breaks down, and you're trapped. Wait, I thought the world worked this way. How many of you, when something bad happened to you, you tried to make sense of it by thinking of something bad that you did? So now I deserve this. I had this coming to me. And you almost feel like, I got mine, or they got theirs. And then you have these people that are, excuse me, bird. <laughs> Come on. There'll be a bird up there if you need one. <laughs> the birds of the air, they neither toil, they, neither, they, they nest, but, you know, I don't know what, I can't grab that verse right now. <sighs> We're going to let it go. Here's the thing. This question has morphed and changed over the years, but there has likely been at least one time in your life where you've experienced what felt like punishment from God. And you looked up because that's where God is, somewhere up past Jupiter or what could be up, right? We always look up as if he's up there somewhere and not just... I have one comedian, he says, next time God shows up in some way, and that's another verse, another phrase we'll get to, but it's just undeniable the presence of God, like, yeah, God, you know, just point right over there to the left and kind of down instead of, <laughs> that was dumb, sorry. <laughs> but then there's the time that God wanted you to lose, you felt like, and you're angry and you shake your fists at God. But let's just suppose you could explain the thing that happened. Would that even help? The tremendous pain, whatever that you, that you went through, would it even help to be able to explain it? If we said, well, the village was decimated because one of the kids disobeyed their parents. That's why. That's why the tsunami struck. 
Would that help? Bill got sick because, well, in the fourth grade, he cheated on a math test. Does that help? Does that make sense? And if we're going to keep score like that, then you got to do it in the other direction too. What do we now owe God for that breath? Our autonomic nervous system, every single tree that exists, a sunset, that the earth is continuing to rotate. What do we owe on all the things that we've received that we didn't earn? Every kind act that was afforded to you that you didn't earn, you didn't deserve. What do you now owe? Does it really help to explain? I'm not sure that that explanation method would even help because suffering is real and experienced. It's not intellectual. So let's go back to our story. Now, disciples of Jesus are Jews. And in the story, you also have Pharisees. We don't find out about them until a little later in the passage. But they're not cool with the whole healing thing. They don't, they're not excited about this. You'll have to read the whole story. But here's the thing. The Pharisees and the disciples both assume that there's some kind of connection between this man's present condition, being blind, and his sin or his parents' sin. He must have been born in sin to be blind is what they say. Eventually, they throw him out. Are you trying to teach us? Because he starts talking about Jesus, and this is really simple. Look, he healed me. You know, do you want to be his disciple too? You know, he starts to get kind of cheeky with them, and they, they throw him out. You were born in sin, so maybe he was born out of wedlock or the result of an affair because they were trying to make sense of his blindness all throughout his life. They send him away. Someone must have sinned. That's what we're dealing with. So the question that we come to, is God going to heal him? Is, in Jesus, is God going to heal him, forgive him? At the heart of this is this particular understanding of the world that God is out there, and from time to time he comes here and intervenes and meddles. Some of us have this view of God, right? He like kind of meddles in our affairs. And sometimes that's how we view and understand prayer. God, come do something. Fix this. Right? Which has all kinds of implications about how we think about prayer. One example. So, does God answer the prayers of the quarterback of the football team for a winning touchdown? But ignore the prayers of the young girl being sold into slavery and trafficked. You know, God just, he just gave it to me today. I prayed this morning that I would throw that touchdown and I threw that touchdown. What? What kind of God is that that comes and says, yeah, I really wanted them to win. <laughs> but, I, but I didn't give a, a rat's behind about the girl being sold into slavery. Her prayers, I couldn't, I just, she was speaking some, she was speaking Romanian and I honestly, I'm not too good with Romanian. Bird, I'm going to get you. It has all kinds of implications for how we understand the world and God, how he works. It gets problematic and chaotic very quickly. And we begin to make lists, right? God, why this? Why that? Back to our anger. So let me give you a few thoughts on our world 
that someone gave a friend of mine and I think are actually really helpful. First thought, in order for this world to be a world, (laughs) it has to be free to be a world. Okay, it's a weird thought. Someone shared it with a friend of mine. I'm sharing it with you. But that means in order for this to not be some kind of simulation, this world has to be free to be a world. That means it has to have humans in it that are free to be real human beings. Okay? And free human beings that can love, and love demands freedom. Love demands freedom. It is a willful choice. And because human nature demands freedom and will, people will make destructive choices. That's part of human nature. Now, if God set up a system in which no one ever got hurt and no one was allowed to hurt anyone, then it wouldn't be a real world. It would be a kind of world. It would be a simulated world. It would be a simulation where people would go through things and the outcomes would not be the outcomes they chose. You follow me? We live in a world where things can go horribly wrong, where birds can interrupt perfectly good sermons. (laughs) Horribly wrong. Now, we tend to say that God is all-powerful. Would you agree? God is all-powerful, and he should use that power to stop the world from being a real world where people can get hurt. He should use his power... I mean, this is how it gets absurd. He should use his power to stop the girl from being trafficked, yes. But then does he use his power to also stop the guy from catching the winning touchdown? Because that hurts the other team. Someone's going to get hurt. It's a simulation. It does not work that way. It's not how the world works. What I think is an even more interesting and amazing kind of power is the one that God actually uses in Jesus to overcome evil, to overcome death, to overcome pain and suffering and sin, the kind of power that could take anything you throw at it with free human beings and a free world, this power could work through it and even overcome it. The one who could encounter good and evil and restore it and heal it and redeem it and reconcile it. That's why Jesus is so helpful for for us to see our world differently. So first helpful thought, in order for this to be a world, it has to be free to be a world. And the kind of power that Jesus demonstrates is the kind that can work through it and overcome anything you throw at it. Second helpful illustration comes from Genesis. Jacob, one of our patriarchs who's traveling in the wilderness, falls asleep and has a dream about God. And he wakes up, and this is what it says in Genesis 28, 16. It says, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. So when we make comments about how God showed up, like I said earlier, next time God shows up, I want to point to the left and down, right? Or we talk about a God thing, or 
you know, God has just been showing up in amazing ways. Well, the flip side of that statement is that God wasn't there at some point. But yet you would all affirm that God is everywhere, all around. He's omnipresent. So you're, mix, you're mixing up your own mind. <laughs> you realize how it's nonsensical. You can't say God showed up, but then also say, but he's everywhere. <laughs> Do you realize how that doesn't work? How our own, our own idioms and phrases and cliches begin to break down. It was a God thing, as if the whole thing isn't a God thing. The whole thing is a God thing. God was already present, but we didn't know where he was, where God was. It's more about our awareness than his presence, would you agree? So this actually can be helpful for us in these situations where we want to say, why? What can actually be helpful is presence. So the question becomes, where are you in this? Where are you in this? If you are, in fact, God, if you are, in fact, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, where are you in this? I cannot see. And Jesus' refrain, oh, that you have eyes to see. In this passage, because you say you can see, you're blind. You'll, you'll, if you keep reading, and I know you will. It's about waking up to the divine presence that was with us all along. That is Jesus Christ, Emmanuel. That was Jacob's experience, waking up to the divine presence that was with him all. Surely God is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. All right, let's, one more point, and then we'll close. So we followed Jesus. We're going to go back to our story here. And where has he taken us? We come along, we've come along to see what might happen. And what is this healing teaching us? Jesus encounters someone who's been blind since birth, okay? This is the, we find a man in darkness. Just note that John is just a master writing this, this passage. We find a man who is in darkness, and he encounters the light of life. If you recall the very beginning of John, chapter 1, verse 4, it says, in him, in Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Let me show you something really interesting. If you look all the way back to Genesis 1 in your Bible, first chapter, second verse of Genesis, we read this. Genesis 1-2, now the earth was formless and empty or void. Darkness was over the face of the, of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God said, let me explain all this to you. No. God said, let me analyze the chaos and the formlessness and all this. No. Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. Now, the word you see here, formless, the earth was formless and empty. In the Hebrew is tohu. Someone say tohu, not hoku. Tohu. <laughs> tohu. It can mean formless, empty, or chaos. 
And then, what's the word you see? Darkness. And what, could, what does God do? Well, what, is it, what doesn't he do? Like I said, he doesn't take time, as far as we know, describing the chaos or the darkness or trying to analyze it or make sense of it and show you why it works. No. He's not trying to figure out how to make sense of it for you. Instead, God creates light. And then following the creation of light, God creates an entire new world. So in verse 5 of our passage today, Jesus again says, While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. I am the constant. I am the thing ordering the chaos. I am the light that is ordering the chaos. While I am here, I am order- I'm not here to explain it. I'm not here to analyze it. I'm not here to make sense of it for you. I'm here to heal it. I'm here to make something new, a whole new creation. And the New Testament will constantly treat you as if you've already died. Your chaos died. And you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. I am here to bring, to bring light to the darkness. That's what we say. To bring light to the darkness. To explain the darkness, to make sense of the darkness, to bring light, to heal, to overcome the darkness, to bring hope to the hopeless. So if you're here this morning and you have a list you have questions, you have anger, you have whys, that is okay, right? That is okay. Speak it out, shake your fists, get mad. That's healthy. Get it out. We talked about that last week. It is good. That's okay. You can bring all of that to Jesus. all of that, and you can bring it to the light to be redeemed, restored, healed, overcome, made new, created. Yes, God can work all things together for the good of those who love Him. I'm starting to really feel for this bird. It's kind of my fault. I, I provoked him when he came in here. <laughs> Trying to make sense of all of it. <laughs> you can bring whatever it is to him to be healed and restored. Or if you're here this morning, you're plagued by guilt, shame, frustration because you think the world should be some kind of moral slot machine. You put in a good work you deserve a blessing, you put in a bad work, you deserve a punishment. Remember that the world has to be free to be a world. It's much more mysterious and chaotic than that. It's formless at times. It's chaotic. But remember that Jesus is the light that is ordering the chaos, and you have to follow him in order to see. You have to come to him 
in order to have light, in order to have redemption, restoration, healing. The power that he brings isn't a simulation kind of power that just says, no, we're not going to allow any of this stuff to happen. It's a real kind of power that overcomes all of that. Power that he brings can overcome no matter if you've been betrayed or you've been wronged, you've been beat down, you've been kicked to the curb. He is the light that is ordering the chaos, and he is with you in it. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. He is with y'all, and you're not alone. It's not just you individual by yourself. It's y'all. He's with us. So let our question be the question that the disciples asked, that the people asked in verse 12 of our passage. Where is he now? And unlike the man born blind, we know. We don't say, I don't know where he is. Where is he now? We know. We know, and that is hope, and that is light, and that is healing. Let's pray. God, we, uh, we need to have our minds rewired because a lot of this just is so hard to understand. We want an either-or answer. We want it to make sense. And that's not what you promised, but you promised to bring light to the darkness and hope to the hopeless. God, may we begin to see our lives in this world that is free to be a world in a new way. And may we awake in our own lives to the divine presence that is all around us and say, surely you have been here all along and we just weren't aware of it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hi, um, you guys can be seated just for one minute, I promise, it'll be quick. Um, first of all, I just wanted to let everyone know there is a table out in the courtyard um, with all the information from Lared, and I just would like everyone um, who's here this morning to stop by the table and just see what it's about. So um, I wanted to invite you to do that. Um, from this message, I just um, felt like I wanted to share something uh, a lot of you know, like I had some some years in my life um, that were a, a very dark place for me. And um, when I made a choice uh, to follow Christ and um, and to build my relationship with Him um, every day, work towards that, uh, it was. I, I kind of had like this. Um, uh, okay, whatever you know, like. Um, I'm grateful that I could have peace in my life, but I didn't believe that I deserved any more than that. So um, it was kind of like I had this really great life. I had this really op great opportunity to have a family and do all this stuff. And then I, I blew it, you know, like, okay, well, um, that's okay. You know, eye for an eye, right? And um, I don't believe that I was ever specifically taught that lesson. It was just something that I believed. And even though... That's what I thought through um, taking action towards pursuing that relationship. Uh, you know, God just revealed to me that he was in constant pursuit of me and that none of it mattered. 
and then he gave me this amazing life, you know, and I have a husband, I have a family, all stuff that I was prepared to give up because I thought I didn't deserve it, and that just isn't the truth. So I just um, wanted to share that uh, in my experience, and then I just want to pray for us right now. So um, I'm, like, nervous because the bird and because... Um, <laughs> And because um, I just felt like the Lord um, had wanted me to um, say a prayer for us this morning. Um, if anybody here this morning has made a choice um, to follow him, and it's such an important choice, I want to pray for you right now. And um, I just invite you to say this prayer in your mind um, along with me. And then... Uh, if we could have Jer and Jim after church, um, we'll come out here and then share it with us because we want to be a part of this decision with you. And it's just so important, so grateful. Um, please bow your heads. Lord God, I am a sinner. I believe with my whole heart that Jesus died for my sins. I invite God in and ask him to guide my life. And I receive that I have been forgiven. In Jesus' holy name, amen.